wow. Once I saw that, that was it. I knew that God had called me. I'd spent my life training leaders and raising leaders, and here was a guy, one of many, who's changing the world because of compassion, because people like you here, uh, those of you in this church who sponsor children, I'm here to say thank you on their behalf. Thank you doesn't cut it, really. Um, I've been there. I've met them. I'm going, going to be going there quite frequently and to see children released from extreme poverty. Remember, it's extreme poverty. It's not poverty. They're not hard up. This is the worst poverty on the planet. My mission is to see them set free from poverty and put into the arms of Jesus. And that's what compassion does so perfectly. So let me just share a few encouraging thoughts with you, if I may. Um, this church, what we do is when you sponsor a child, we try and link that sponsor with the church so that we can come back every year, every two years and encourage you. So we have nine children currently linked with folk in this church. There may be more, there may be less. If you do link a child, uh, if you do sponsor a child in this church, it'd be great if you could let us know before you go um, and give us your name and your postcode, and then we can uh, link you to the church. So if we, if we are uh, blessed enough to be invited back, we can give you some more information on what your church is doing. Nine children from one country, Sri Lanka. So two years ago, thereabouts, uh, Sri Lanka was the country that you guys. Uh, chose or was chosen for you for your children and there are photos at the bottom of that picture there of the children that you that you uh, sponsor uh, you've uh, right there's been 32 letters sent in the last year and you can see there 14 letters have been sent by nine beneficiaries and 18 letters have been sent by seven sponsors which is a real good thing writing to your child is vital it's so important. Richmond was continually told God loved him. They loved him. They were praying for him. And he was continually affirmed in his value as an individual. Poverty robs people of everything. It is so satanic and demonic. It just wrecks self-worth and all those things that Jesus stands against. So please do right to your children. Maybe two, three times a year is really good, especially at Christmas, especially on birthdays. And incidentally, there's an app now. So if you are a sponsor uh, and you've got an Apple phone, an iPhone, uh, you can download that app from the App Store. It's coming out on Android soon, but you can write to your child and learn about your child more from there. You sponsor five girls and four boys. And since the partnership started, your sponsorship has enabled more than 3,000 hours spent by children in compassion projects. 3,000 hours. Don't get too excited, will you? 3,000 hours. I think that's pretty staggering. 3,000 hours of Jesus. Oh, come on. That's pretty amazing. Three Go on. If somebody wants to clap, clap. 3,000 hours of Jesus, 3,000 hours of hope, 3,000 hours of joy. That's a pretty good return on your investment. Thank you. A minimum of 759 nutritious meals have been provided. These kids do not eat. And when they do eat, they eat stuff like jackfruit or stuff they find. Sponsored children get fed nutritious meals. And if the family starts to go down, so if the family, because the families are in poverty as well, if compassion, because they meet them every month and regularly on a week 
day uh, basis with the with the church that they're linked to. Uh, and these are not Christian kids. These are kids that find Christ through this. Uh, they are fed and your interventions take place. So nearly 800 nutritious meals been provided. Uh, 17 medical checks. Um, one of the kids I talked to uh, was talking about, the, I said to him, what's the difference between you and a child that's not sponsored? And he said, well, he said, I get typhoid. I'm in hospital. My best friend gets typhoid. He, he takes his chances. Do not underestimate what you're doing. 17 medical checks. By medical checks, that would be vaccinations. All those vaccinations are recorded. And nine Bibles given to children in our projects through your giving. Direct, these are all directly linked to you. This isn't guesswork. This is fact. Directly linked to you. Uh, you've given to Compassion in the past 12 months over £3,000. So whatever you do missions-wise, this won't be seen through your church books because this is you, the church, giving. So you've given £3,000 to missions in the past 12 months and you've also given beyond that another six gifts. So when it's been Christmas, it's been a birthday or something like that, you've been very generous and you've given other gifts and maybe even done some other stuff as well. There are your children. And I've got a feeling I've got my next screen up on there. But can we just stand for a moment or two? Do you mind indulging me in this? And if you've uh, got the uh, if you've got the liberty to do this, if you can reach out your hands and let's pray and prophesy over those children, life. Come on, long life, Lord. Hope. We 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 want to speak over them. Your presence, Lord. We want to speak over them. The power of the Spirit. We pray, Lord, that within that group there'll be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. We pray, Lord, for long, healthy lives, Lord, and we pray that their families will be blessed through them, and they will be world changers in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the partnership. We thank you for the privilege, and we thank you for the potential. Enough dynamite on that screen there to change Sri Lanka forever in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please do take your seats. Thank you so much. I think that is my last, I think that is my last one. Thank you for making an incredible difference. Bless you for that. Uh, so I've got a short period of time to bring a word to you. Um, uh, and to encourage you even more, God changed the word yesterday afternoon. So thank you. You really put me through it. I lost a load of sleep uh, last night because God had a word for you. And, I've, and now I've, I've got to hop from foot to foot with the word that I need to bring. Um, I've discovered how I've changed in recent years. Years ago, I used to, I couldn't, I didn't cry actually until I got saved. I became a Christian at 24 and really because of my background, came from quite a troubled background, uh, couldn't really cry. I, I, I just couldn't. Uh, now I watch Mary Poppins and I'm blubbing away in the background with a, with a box of Kleenex. So that's how, that's, that's how affected I am. Um, and, and um, you know, that ability to cry, that ability to weep, uh, for me, is an incredible blessing that God has given me. Uh, I can cry over children, and I couldn't before. And there's something in that that is the heart of God, that care for people. The fact that you guys are out on the streets, you're interested enough to go out on the streets and talk to people is beautiful. Hearing about the guy at the prison and the guy who's just come out, let me tell you, that is the stuff of Jesus. That's the gold right there. That is the gold right there. 
Um, I, ha I can't, I was going to read the whole, a load of verses, but I can't. So I'm going to focus on one verse. It's uh, found in John's Gospel, chapter 11. I'm going to read, it should really be from 1 through 44. Um, so if you want to turn to that, if you have got your Bibles, or are you all electronic in Weymouth Family Church now? Are you in digital land? Um, but the scripture I want to focus on is John eleven thirty five. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and it says there, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Wow, you're on, you're on form in the back there. Thank you. Jesus wept. Um, what we can miss is the next verse after that, which is, Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now, I've got to put this into context now. Um, Jesus is close to his death, okay? He's marching inextricably towards the cross. It's either, it's the, the timing of these verses comes somewhere between one week and four, four weeks before he dies. So he's very, very close to the cross at this point. Lazarus and his sisters are well known to him. You remember Lazarus, his two sisters, Mary and Martha. We read about them elsewhere in the Gospels. And Lazarus is taken sick and the girls send a message to Jesus. Lazarus must have died pretty well as soon as the messengers set out. Uh, and the messengers that went out to ask Jesus to go and see Lazarus uh, probably wouldn't have known that he'd have died in the meantime. They didn't have text. They couldn't communicate with each other. So they'd have just gone out and done the best they could. Jesus delays going to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, for two days. He eventually goes there, so has one day traveling. So when you work this through, a day for the guys to go out and find Jesus, two days Jesus delays, one day he, he takes him to get back there. So you're looking at four days that Lazarus has been dead, hence the peculiarities of, the, uh, of that story of, you know, don't go in there, Jesus, don't go near him, it will be a bit whiffy because he's been dead a long day. And on the way back, on the way to see Lazarus, he's met on the road by Martha, Martha, you remember, was the busy cook who cooked meals that he didn't order. It's a whole other story, isn't it? Mary stays at home. She waits. Jesus arrives. Both girls have the same pain. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. If only you'd have been here, Lazarus would have been alive. They're broken hearted. They're broken hearted. When I, visit, when I visited Uganda, I visited a place called Mbali uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, when I go there, I'm acutely aware that I'm going there as Jesus. Now, I'm not stupid enough to say I'm Jesus or like Jesus, but I carry his presence with me wherever I go. And I take his encouragement with me wherever I go. If only you had been here. And then we read this in verse John 11, verses 33 through 35. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Right there in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, crying, hurt, we find God weeping. It is incredible 
It's extraordinary. And it's even more extraordinary when we unpack that. Only twice do we read of Jesus shedding tears. Once in Luke 9 41, where we read that he wept over Jerusalem when they rejected him. And the only other point that I can find is this point here where Jesus weeps. Gospel of John. So before we look at why he may have died, let's dismiss some false reasons. Number one, I don't believe Jesus wept because Lazarus had simply died. I know it sounds a little bit outrageous, doesn't it? But I don't believe that to be the case when I look at it and when I study it. I want to put a little statistic in here for you that really blew me away and haunts me, if I'm honest. And this is from um, UNICEF. This is a statistic from UNICEF. About 29,000 children under the age of five die every day from preventable causes. Did you get that? Now, if you break that down, that means every minute 20 children die of extreme poverty, of stuff that we can intervene in and we can change. Now, we're doing all right. Through compassion, two million children are now sponsored. Thank God for that. But there's 350 million children still in extreme poverty. Death is an awful part of life. Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead, so why would Jesus weep over Lazarus? He knew he was going to be raised again, so why would Jesus be upset over Lazarus dying? And even though Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus knew at some point he'd die again. Because that's the destiny of man after the fall. He also knew that he would soon de-sting death. He's only weeks away, days away from the cross. And he would have known that in the plan of God, that at that point on the cross, he takes the sting of death. Perishable, says the word, must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that's written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, come on, that's not bad news for a Sunday morning, is it? Death's been swallowed up in victory. <laughs> when, we, when we go, we go into the presence of Jesus, not frightened to die. Nobody should be frightened to die if they know Jesus. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to put it out there. If you haven't yet really got to know Jesus, can I ask you today, get to know him. It changes everything. It changes everything. Whatever reason Jesus wept, it wasn't because of death. He also didn't weep because hope was gone. He didn't weep, I don't believe, because hope, hope was gone. One of the words I hate is the word terminal. Terminal just sucks the faith out of you, doesn't it? That very word, just like, oh, even as a Christian, you hear it and you think, oh, that's such a, thank God that in Jesus there is no terminal. There is no terminal. Not, not, in, the, not in the Bible. Not in the economy of the Christian. The cross eradicates the word terminal. It wipes it out of our dictionary. We're not terminal, can never be terminal. When we're born again, we're born into a living hope. That's what the word says. And so when Jesus viewed Lazarus and he viewed the tomb, 
It wouldn't have been because there's, oh, there's no hope here now. It's all gone. That's not the reason Jesus wept. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy, says Peter. He's given his new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, I slipped this in here quick, and if, if we want to talk, maybe after I've done the compassion bit, but the Bible is pretty clear. In the Old Testament, we were talking about this on the way up here, Sheila and I. In the Old Testament, death meant going to the place of waiting. It was um, Sheol or Hades, we read in the Old Testament. Jesus knew that as he took on the cross and wrestled with, uh, with victory and with the powers of darkness, he knew that Hades is separated, and we now have paradise and Gehenna. And, and at that point, paradise, the place of wonder, beauty, and peace. What did he say to the thief on the cross? This day you'll be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. You ain't going to a waiting place. You're going to be in paradise. I love that. The powerful truth. Lazarus was living in a tent. God designed him to live in an eternal house. These children have been designed to live in an eternal house. And so what we do and how we intervene equips them. Richmond Wandera is born again by the Spirit of God because a 15-year-old girl stepped in, put her money where her mouth was, prayed for him, paid for him, and he's now changing the nation. Hope. Hope. Whatever the reason for the tears of Jesus that day, it wasn't because hope was gone. Hope is not lost through death. It is fulfilled through death. <laughs> he didn't weep because Lazarus had died or because hope was gone. He also didn't weep because life was over too soon. I've in, in ministry, I've been in ministry for ooh, a lot of years um, and I've been I've taken a lot of funerals and I've, I've seen a lot of people die too early. I've never met anybody that died at the perfect time yet. Everybody goes too soon, some too more too soon than others too soon. But Jesus didn't weep because the life was over too soon. We're all created eternally and for eternity. There has to be a death to be a life. Jesus didn't have his life stolen from him on the cross that day. Jesus gave up his life. He handed it over. He had power over his life. He gave it. I believe that Satan has no glory over early flight. I believe that these children who, who die at the 20 every minute, I personally believe they're straight into the arms of Jesus. That's my own personal belief. Now, I know you can wrestle with that, and I know that's full of complexities, and I know that we choose Christ. Now, I'm not saying that if they were older and they rejected Christ, it wouldn't be different because it would. What I'm saying is, is the early flight into the presence of God. However, the potential that's in those lives, the potential that's in those lives, we can set them free, equip them, empower them, give them a hope, give them a future in Christ. I'm never going to get my resurrection body until the one I'm in has gone. I have to sow something to get something. I sow a tadpole, get a frog. I sow a caterpillar, I get a butterfly. They can't keep the same form. They have to die in order to gain the new form. And it's the same for you and me. And again, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, and that's fine. You know, we're all on our journey and all of us are different places. But the day you give your life to Jesus, you take on a brand new form. You're born again. 
bullfrogs and butterflies. If I remember correctly, if anybody remembers those dizzy days of the 80s, bullfrogs and butterflies. I was an extremely selfish individual um, until Jesus got hold of me and I committed my life to helping others. That's a radical change that takes place. But it's only through the power of Jesus in me. 1 John 3 says we'll be like him. Why did Jesus weep? I've got to be quick, real quick. Number one, I believe, I believe that Jesus wept because he empathized with the loss of the sisters and friends. Some of you here, there's a big enough crowd to know that some of you have faced bereavement. Some of you have faced some stuff that has been pretty rough and pretty hard and pretty tough. Some of you, even as I'm speaking, your heart will be aching over that. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus empathizes with you. He had no other reason for crying and weeping other than the fact that he saw the pain. I'm getting upset now. He saw the pain in the individual and his heart broke for them. He can't stand to see our pain. He wants to intervene and bring hope into those situations. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. It's a beautiful truth. Jesus is human, fully God, fully human. He relates to us on both those levels. This is no metaphoric picture of the almighty God theoretically feeling her pain, their pain. These are tears, salty tears that went down his face as he looked, real tears of a man for his fellow man. He weeps for us today, but let me tell you, he's not distant in your hurt. For every rotten, lousy thing that has wounded you or hurt you, Jesus loves you. He understands it. Do not be confused. He feels your pain. Don't be misled that he's distant from you and what you're going through. He's right there with you. He's right there with you. Every tear you and I weep. He weeps with us too because of his great love that we take out onto the streets as well. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, also the sin. All but the sin, sorry. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take mercy, accept the help. Hebrews 4 from the message. He wept because of empathy. He wept because he saw the damage of a broken world. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Verse 33, 38, the word that's used for deeply troubled and deeply moved is an interesting one. It's this. Um, if there's any Greek people in here, this is really going to go horribly wrong, isn't it? It's Ibrameomei, <laughs> Ibrameomei, which literally means to snort with anger. Isn't that interesting? To snort with anger. Hence the message. Another translation say John eleven thirty three. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger well within him. He's angry because of the injustice and the pain and the ravages of sin. He's angry. When he looks at these children, he's angry that they have to go through this misery. Richmond Wondera, I don't know whether you heard it. But Richmond Mondera at eight, his dad was dragged out and shot 
as an insult to a God who created him and who loves him. It's all the pain and the devastation of a broken world. Pain was never a work or an intention of God. God made us to dwell with him forever in paradise. He made Richmond to dwell with him forever in paradise. He made these children that you sponsor to dwell with him forever in paradise. Agony was never in the script of God. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Let me close. He wept because of empathy. He wept because of anger of the ravages of a broken world. I believe he also wept because he saw the full fullness of his mission. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So he's looking at the tomb, but beyond the tomb, he sees the cross. He sees the fulfillment of his mission. He's not looking at Lazarus's short-term resurrection. That's a simple thing for God to do, bring someone back from the dead. I know we don't see it as much as we should, but it's pretty simple for him to do. The author of life can give and take life. But he's looking through the temporary resurrection of Lazarus to his eternal resurrection that would come in all the fulfillment of the gospel. He's about to pay the price that grace would demand. I've said this a few times since I've been working with compassion. You know, it's the gift is free to the receiver, but to the giver, it costs. Your 25 pounds a month costs you. That's a lot of money. That's 87p a day. That's a cup of coffee every two days, isn't it? That you give up for that child. It costs you, but to the child, they receive it free. That is grace. He took the wrath. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, and his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes, let him go. And it was like a second birth for him. I'd like to put it to you today that Richmond Wondera had a second birth. He had a second birth. He was born again. And, and he was born again in the spirit. When, the day he received Jesus as Lord and Savior, I think he said he was about 10 or something like that. But the day he got the chance, the day somebody came and said, Richmond, it's okay. You're being sponsored. Somebody's taking care of you. Your family's going to be all right now. Richmond, you're going back to school tomorrow. He had a new crack at life. Had a new crack at life. I believe it was Jesus in that girl. That's what I believe. And I close. I don't know how you close your services, but do you worship? Do you guys kind of? Yeah. Jesus wept because he loved him. And the Jews said that. See how he loved him. Did you know that only humans shed tears through emotion when they cry? Chimps, kittens, puppies, they can all cry, but not through emotion. They don't shed emotional tears. Only humans do this. Your tears that you've wept on your own in your place of pain, whatever it is, come because you're created in the image of a God who sheds tears too. Doesn't the psalmist say that he keeps them in a bottle, holds them before him? Charles Darwin said this, tears have no modern adaptive function. What a load of cobblers. 
God wouldn't give that unique ability to human beings if there wasn't a purpose. It's deep. It's deep calling to deep. Should we stand together just in the presence of God as I close on? Even modern science agrees tears have a purpose. The question that it can't figure out is what is the purpose of tears? What we do know is that even a baby that's born with incredible defects in its brain still has the ability to shed tears. It is one of the basic, most basic functions of humanity. When Jesus wept, it was his humanity brimming to the surface and overflowing. A uniqueness of humanity that silence speaks the language of a loving God. God sees your tears. Close your eyes, please. Let's close our eyes. God sees your tears. You are not alone. You could never be alone. You can get on a rocket and go to Mars and you still will not be alone. He will be with you wherever you go. And especially when you are in pain, his presence is as close as close can be. My friends, they scorn me, says Job, but my eye pours tears where? To my God. To my God. Let me close. Jesus has done it far better than we could ever have imagined. So much better than, a, than, than we would have planned it or worked it out. You can't find bones of Jesus because the grave is empty. The soul is in paradise. Those that you love and those you grieve over, remember that Jesus is the creator and he loves them more than you and I ever could. Father, just as I bring this short message to a close, I want to thank you, Father, for for every single person in this room and the beauty that is in them and the, 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 the value that you place in every individual. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, Lord, that not one person here is ever rejected by you, but every single one of us, regardless whether we've just come out of prison, just going into prison, whether we're still up to mischief, we're still loved by you. Not one person here is loved any more than another. No one here is loved any less than another. We are all loved exactly the same. And I roll that out, Lord, and I consider we we consider the children in Sri Lanka, Lord, they're in abject poverty. They're living in, in dire in dire straits, Lord. People, there'll be death and pain and stuff around them, Lord, and, and, and difficulties and malnutrition, all these things, Lord. And yet you love them exactly the same way as you love the, 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 the Bill Gates or, or, or the millionaires of this world, Lord. There is no differentiation between your love for us as individuals. And I want to speak out over lives today who are living in grief and living in pain. And I use the same words you use, Jesus, because it seems appropriate. I say, come forth. Come out of that place. Come out of the place of darkness. Come into the place of light and come into the presence of Jesus and feel those arms around you and taste the soul to those tears on his face because he has redeemed you. He will redeem you and he'll continue to redeem you and he'll never, ever, ever let you go. Father, I pray for the children. I pray, Lord, that today 
Please, God, that there will be some who feel prompted and moved to be able to stand in the gap and maybe support some more children, Lord. But I, I, I put in the caveat with that, Lord, that let that not be under compulsion from a man, but that let that be from the sweet spirit of God tugging on a heart. And we agree together, Lord, help us to make a difference in this world today. Help us to change this world. We are a world changing people. This is a world changing church. You're a world changing God. And Lord, we're excited for the future. Thank you for the opportunities you give us in the name of Jesus. Pray this prayer. Amen and amen and amen.